Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music, the podcast sharing the industry tales and careers of modern singular voices in music. They all just happen to be female. I'm your host, Millie Cotton. It's been a while, but I'm back with another round of episodes with some exceptional guests like Maisie Peters, who joins me this week. Singer-songwriter Maisie started her career on YouTube and busking on the streets of Brighton. At the end of last year, she headlined a US tour and closer to home, she sold out the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Maisie recently collaborated with J.P. Sachs on their single Maybe Don't, a love song that explores the contrasting feelings and vulnerabilities we all experience during relationships. Maisie has found fans in Taylor Swift and Lewis Capaldi, and honestly, it's not hard to see why. I hope you'll enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. My first lockdown feels like a million years ago now, but um, it was good. I think it was obviously a very much a change of pace. Um, I went back home to my parents' house, uh, which is near uh, Brighton, and my sister was there, which was kind of, it was nice to spend time with them and to be at home and kind of slowing down a little bit, but I feel like that got old pretty quickly. Um, But I did, uh, what did I learn? I got better at driving. I'm trying to pass my driving test right now, so I got better at that. Um, I made one cake that was quite bad. I went on a lot of like walks because I live in the countryside, so that was kind of nice. Yeah, it was was kind of an interesting time and like, I think a crazy thing to go through in your life. So it's in, it'll be a really interesting, like our generation, what comes of as a result of it. But it was, yeah, a mad one. What was it like recording music in lockdown? Uh, it had its challenges. I think I'm not particularly technologically blessed. Um, so it was, it was, a, it was useful learning. I think it gave everyone like a kick up the bum to actually learn how to be more self-sufficient which I totally did I I can now like record myself and make little demos and do all of that from my bedroom which I absolutely could not do before lockdown so that's been really useful um and it was really it was just taking music recording and just making it even more collaborative because and also in a way more individual because you were working everyone was working very much on their own but you needed to really communicate and there was lots of like sending things back and forth and getting on zoom calls and texting and sending voice notes and um, yeah, so it was a very kind of disjointed, but also like communal way of making music, if that makes sense. Yeah, and did you write as well in lockdown? Yeah, I did. I um, I did a lot of writing over lockdown, actually. I really started writing by myself again, which was something that I hadn't done for a long time because I'd gotten so used and I'd been so busy for the last couple of years writing with other people. But, you know, I started out writing on my own. I wrote on my own every single day for like four years. So it was really amazing to do that again um and I wrote yeah I must have written like like 40 or, or 50 or more songs like just on my own just over lockdown um or since then maybe but I yeah I made a lot of songs I was I think I was I don't know I think for in an interesting way even though nothing kind of happened from the outside world I think I've actually found it like a really inspiring time and lots of things were happening around me and I really did just fall in love again with making things on my own and writing songs on my guitar in my bedroom. Was it a bit like you'd got done a sort of 360 because you offered, that's where you started? Yeah, totally. It was literally 100% a 360. I was back in my bedroom, which I grew up in, which I started writing songs in. 
um, back in that same bedroom and like nothing has changed in there. It's exactly the same. Um, and I was writing songs. I was like eating pasta in my room and like taught my sister would like come in for like half an hour and we would chat and then she would leave and then I would keep going. And then my parents would go to sleep and my parents' bedroom is right next to my bedroom. So every night I would take my laptop and take my guitar and I'd go and sit downstairs and just like noodle around and do bits and pieces until like two or 3 a.m. I got very nocturnal over lockdown, which was um, a definitely a new development for me. And I, one that I am ashamed to say I've carried across into, you know, on lockdown life and now I'm definitely a work at 1am kind of person. I feel like most creatives are like I'm exactly the same so my brain switches on in the evenings and yeah that's when I definitely work best. How would you say your your like sound and your writing has evolved since you were much younger? Yeah I think it's evolved um, in some ways a lot but then in some ways, not at all. I think the crux of what I do is still very similar. And even listening to like old demos or songs from YouTube from when I started out, sometimes when I post little snippets of songs nowadays, I'll get comments being like, oh, this really reminds me of your YouTube stuff. And that makes me happy because I like to think that there's like a thread of that Maisie always in all of my music because I'm still this very much the same person um, who loves lyrics and stories and Taylor Swift and talking about house parties and love. Um, and I think that person is always inside me still and always in it, all the songs I make. But I also think that, you know, I've been writing and making music and working with other people in the industry for like five years now. So I think that I've gotten much more confident and I've really honed in on what it is I want to make and my role in that. And I think I've, yeah, I think I've definitely gotten a lot more sure of myself and a lot more aware of what it is like, I'm meant to be doing and how I should do that. To take it back a little bit, what would you say that your first memory of music is? Did you grow up like playing instruments and um, yeah? Uh, no, so I did not grow up in a musical family. My fam, I'm definitely the black sheep of the family. My dad got kicked out of a quarter club infamously as a child. Um, but I, I liked singing as a kid, but I was never like the child prodigy. Like I was never the soloist in the choir. Um, but I used to listen to a lot of music. Me and my sister would listen to like ABBA and Plan B and Lily Allen in the car. Um, and I loved like all of my dad's like indie bands. Like I loved the Arctic Monkeys and I loved Bruce Springsteen. Um, and I'm, I loved, and then I loved Taylor Swift and Sarah Barrios of my own accord. And then I think I just, I borrowed my friend's guitar. I actually live with her now, which is funny, but when I was like 10 or like 11 or 12, I borrowed her guitar and I started writing songs because I was super inspired by Taylor Swift. And I think that really kick-started for me. I think it was the songwriting really like lot clicked it into place into what I loved and what I was like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Honestly, it felt like this is what I was meant to be doing. Um, and yeah, kind of went on from there. I was in many bands. I was a busker. I used to play in like men, like working men's clubs. Um, every, I played everywhere that would have me. I love that though. You have to do it, don't you, I guess? You do. So you went from writing in your bedroom and busking Brighton to signing at a major label. What was that like? What were the steps? Like, yeah, how was that process? Um, I think, I'm sure a lot of people think it was quick, but to me it feels like it was a real, um, it was like a lot of years of like graft. And I was a busker. I, was a, I then started a YouTube channel um, when I was like 15 maybe. And my now manager um, found me at the time on YouTube when I was maybe like 15, I was doing my GCSEs. 
And um, we just kind of started working with each other, but very cautiously, because I was obviously still very much in school. Um, but we started doing little things together. And then I started doing writing sessions and he would kind of get me involved with different writers and producers that he was friends with. And then from there, I signed a publishing deal um, when I was maybe 16 or 17 uh, with Universal and then was had meetings with some labels and then that became a thing. And then all the while doing this, I was doing like, um, you know, countless writing sessions every week. Like I'd be in London like three or four days and then I would come home and go to school because I was still doing my A-levels. So I would do writing sessions during the week and stay on my manager's sofa. And then I'd come home on the train and I'd try and like go to school and do my history essays. Um, it was a very crazy time right now that I look back on it. But, and then I signed uh, a record deal when I was 17, I think. Um, and then and then finished my A-levels and got my results and then left school, which honestly at the time was like, I felt like, cause I'd actually been working and making music and leaving school since I was in year 11, I was like 16. That was like a good three years of my life where I was doing both, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was definitely a journey and I definitely needed it to be a journey. But um, I think, and even then now that's like two years ago. So it really has been, a t uh, it feels to me like a lifetime, but it's, I'm also very aware it's very short. So you've toured in America and you were supposed to be going on tour this year, right? How was it having to cancel that tour? Oh, I mean, yeah, it was super sad. Like I love touring. It's probably one of my favorite aspects of uh, my career and of my job. And especially the music that I make, I really do just make it to play it live. And I make it thinking about playing it live. And it's, you know, it's really all about that feels like the, the point almost it's not, but on some level it is like the point is to make this thing and then get to go and play it to the people who you make it for, which is obviously the fans and anyone listens to my music. And so it was, it was really sad to cancel. Um, and obviously I'm aware that I'm very lucky and that I'm sure, you know, what's meant to be will be. And I'm sure there'll be countless more opportunities as you know, we're all very young and it's a very specifically bizarre time in the world right now. So I do, and I do try and keep that mindset. Um, but as someone who's very ambitious and who had a lot of really cool things this year that I was really excited about, it, it definitely was difficult. I think it's important to, express that what do you think is going to be the next step for like the live events industry have you got plans for next year with touring have you like rearranged it uh me personally my plans are still very much to be discussed and i think i'm just conscious of making sure that when you know when we do come back with a show that it's the best show possible and i'd hate to have to cancel something again you know i want to the fans know that when i do come back and when they do you know buy tickets these, this will be the show and i'll be putting everything into it um, but I'm super excited to see what happens next year. And already I think the live industry is like adjusted amazingly. And I've, you know, there's a, a friend of mine called Griff tonight is doing like a live show stream from the Tate in London, which I think is so cool. Um, and she's, I've just seen like her Instagram person. It's like a whole spectacle and it's amazing. Um, and I think it's so admirable and so cool that people are finding it like interesting ways to play live these days. Um, so I definitely would consider that. Yeah, you've done quite a few um, 
like live gigs online for your fans, haven't you, since lockdown? Yeah, just like live streams here and there. I've always been a fan of those because it's kind of super impromptu and you can just like jump in and jump out and play some Taylor Swift covers and then wave yourself off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are always really fun. With signing to a major label and being a young female artist, do you feel like you've ever been, you've ever had challenges with like creating the the way that you want your music to go or like... I don't know, disagreements with about things that are creative that you feel like you've not had control over or has everything just been kind of as you want to do it and at your own pace and your own vision? Uh, I think there's like a lot of nuance to that question. Um, And I think that I do feel like I've always been, the music that I wanted to make, I've always been able to make. Uh, I've always felt empowered to make exactly the sort of music that I want to make. And then I think that all of the conversations that come around that and that come around being like a young woman signed to a major label, you know, especially uh, I was very young and I'm obviously I'm still signed, but like I signed a record deal at 17 um, and you still don't really, you're still figuring out very much who you are. And that's definitely more challenging figuring out who you are uh, in front of an audience and in front of people who are asking you who you are um, because that's their job. So I would say that was definitely interesting and has been definitely something I think about a lot, not in a negative way, but just in a kind of, it's interesting to look back on and see how that impacted kind of the music that I made and who I am today. And I think ultimately um, I wouldn't change anything ever because number one, it makes you and it makes the music that I make today. And that's music that I'm so proud of. And actually everything I've released, I'm so proud of. I'm not an artist who looks back and go, oh, you know, I don't like that song, I don't like this song. I really, I really wholeheartedly love and stand behind all of them because I know that the girl who released them like wholeheartedly loved and stood beside them. So from that place, I am very lucky. And I think that, you know, everyone that I've worked with in the industry um, has always had my best interests at heart, absolutely. And so I'm definitely very lucky to be able to say that. You filmed Sad Girl Summer, the video in lockdown. Who's in it with you? I absolutely love the video and I love the song. It's so wonderful thank you so much okay i'm so proud of that video too and i love that you've asked who's in it because i feel like they're so important um so you my sister's in it uh she's the blonde girl and uh she obviously it was in lockdown so we were in the house together so i just like made her come downstairs and get in it and then my friend dominique um who actually is also my informal uh like photographer because we she's very talented she's like a marathon runner and uh, she works in like in tech but she's also an amazing photographer and we grew up together so she's in it and she did all the behind the scenes like organizing everything with me because the directors were on Skype and then me and Dominique were like sorting out the backgrounds um, and the poses and the technology so Dominique's in it, Ellen's in it, my friend Abby uh, from Indonesia is in it and Abby's also my again my informal uh, editor so whenever I make like I made a carpool karaoke and she edits it for, edits it for me because she's like amazing at that. And we all send ideas back and forth and she helps me make merch. So Abby's in it, which is really fun for me. Um, and who else is in it? I'm trying to think. Uh, my friend Olivia, who I now live with, is in it. Um, and we grew up together. I borrowed her guitar. Um, sorry, one of my housemates is getting something out the fridge. <laughs> um, but um, Olivia's in it, whose guitar I borrowed in, who like like started making music basically because of her guitar, which is actually, I've never thought about this, but it's actually really fun how um, so many people that were in it are actually like really part of my life and 
really important. With the concept of the video, it felt very relatable. Like the lyrics are very relatable. We've all been there. We've all had our hearts broken. We've all had like a friend who you've just been like, you just need to put your phone down. Put your phone down. Stop texting the boy. <laughs> the boy's not good enough for you anyway. Um, mm-hmm. How important was it to you that you made that video on that sort of like relatability? Was that always going to be the plan or was that something that happened because of lockdown? I think that um, the video is definitely a result of lockdown of knowing, you know, that that we were limited in what we could do just in terms of people and location. Um, But then it actually, the more we were doing it, the more right it felt in terms of, you know, that was essentially my entire girl gang, like group chat, um, just in action. And that was throughout lockdown, you know, I was having many hour long uh, FaceTimes with Abby and with Dominique, um, you know, just lamenting about our boy problems or our lives or how bored we were or arguments we'd had with our parents. Like it was, it was exactly that energy in my real life. And so it was actually really cool to make the video and be like, oh my God, this is actually, it's almost identical to how it actually goes in real life with me and all my friends. And yeah, the song is very reflective of that. One of us was married to an ex-marine with a blonde on the block He said commitment's scary Then he left her alone with a house and a dog So so she ran to daddy And he said that man's a loser Call your friends up And we pulled a chair up Pass your phone to the right Text the next love goodbye it's another side of the on the side of the road Traveling beside each other No one has to dance on their own It feels like you're a really good role model. Do you ever feel pressure to fulfill that kind of like image of being a good role model? Um, I mean, I don't think that you know, it's very hard to see yourself as a role model. And I don't think that's really something I think about a lot. Um, I like to think that uh, my, you know, my presence online and my platforms, my social medias are all um, places that people can go to and kind of feel good about themselves and also see an example of someone who's just trying their best. I always think that's the most important and I would, would want that to be the case. And then in terms of being a role model, you know, I'm very, I'm still very young. I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think I have hardly any of them. Um, but I, if someone, you know, does think of me as their role model, then that's amazing. And then I would always, I'm always going to try and live up to those expectations while gently reminding everyone that, you know, everyone is just a person and everyone's just trying their best. But if you are trying your best, then that's good enough. You have a incredible community of fans. Do they feel like you're they're your friends sometimes or like an extension of your friends? Or I mean, the, they think that you're their friend. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we're all we're all friends. I definitely feel like that. I think we are friends. Like there are so many of them who like I, I now know and I, you know, I used to meet them at shows and now there are group chats. There's a group of them called the Daydreamers uh, on Instagram and they're super funny and they'll have Zooms and I'll just like join in and be like, hey guys. Um, and I know them all like, by their first name now and they now they all hang out it's really sweet um and it's so fun getting to you know make friends and have all these communities all around the world just because of my music like that's really crazy to me but also definitely i think i really do consider a lot of us friends you know we've all grown up together like from being 
babies to being like young young adults. And they've all created like a support network for each other, which you must be incredibly proud of having fans who come together to help each other. That's very cool. Oh, 100%. It's so cool. And that's like one of, yeah, definitely something I feel very proud of, even though I don't think proud's a word because I'm not, I do, you know, I'm not, I'm not involved. They're amazing without me. Um, but yeah, it's so cool to see them all reaching out and helping each other and in comments and group chats. They're so supportive of each other and each other's art and each other's, you know, whatever it is, if they're having problems, if they're trying to share their art or their films or whatever. And everyone just, I have, yeah, the best community of people because they're so funny, um, but also so warm and loving. And I think it's like really inspiring to me. So you had Taylor Swift shout you out on Twitter a couple of times. How was that? Because you're such a big fan of hers, right? And so to have her being such a big fan of yours too. Yeah, it was amazing. Obviously, as everybody knows, I am the biggest Taylor Swift fan. Um, it's my it's my lifeblood. Um, and yeah, it was amazing to be acknowledged by someone who you've looked up to for so long. Um, and yeah, it was probably the highlight of my life. I think, you know, maybe one day I'll get married, but that will not be, not have <laughs> nothing on the day Taylor Swift tweeted me. <laughs> um, who are other women apart from Taylor Swift you admire at the moment in the music industry? Uh, musically, I, I mean, it's Taylor, it's like Sarah Barrieres, uh, I'm a huge admirer of, I mean, so many women, I think, I almost don't want to start because I'll never stop, but, um, you know, the, um, the band Muna are all incredible musicians, um, who else do I admire? I think, uh, Lily Allen, I think Ariana Grande, um, I honestly all, I think, all women are killing it right now. Um, Fletcher is a friend of mine um, who constantly speaks up on really important issues, but is also just ridiculously talented and totally shifting. Um, she just created an EP called The Sex Tapes, which like totally shifted like kind of like a female gaze on sexuality. And I thought it was amazing. And it was shot by her ex. And I was just like super, super cool and super inspiring. So say next year is COVID free and you can do anything you want to do. What would you like to do next year? Um, oh my God. I mean, if it was COVID free, I'd love to, I'd love to travel. I'd love to um, go to places I've never been before. I'd love to play some shows, be them like little and intimate. Um, I'd love to see friends who I haven't seen for a long time because we live far apart from each other. I mean, everything. I'd love to do everything there is to possibly do. I think this year has really taught us that you can't take anything for granted. So when inevitably life goes back to more of a state of normalcy, I'm definitely going to be doing everything. <laughs> Same, 100%. Finally, what would your advice be for other singer-songwriters who want to get into the business? Um, oh, I mean, a lot. And I'd actually just like to say before I say this final thing, I've just thought of another thing for your uh, women in the industry question. Uh, a friend of mine, Lauren Aquilina, has started um, a sort of support group-esque thing for young women who want to join the industry and it's called Girls and Repertoire. And there was a Guardian article on it um, relatively recently, but they have an Instagram and anyone listening should definitely go check that out because Lauren's amazing and such an ambassador for that sort of thing. And I think it's such an important platform and such a good idea that I wanted to mention it um, before I forgot. Um, and then in terms of advice for young singer-songwriters, Oh my goodness, I mean, this, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, I think my advice is, do I think 
I know it sounds obvious, but just truly do it all the time. If you love it, then you'll want to do it all the time anyway. Um, but write every day, play every day. Um, I know it's difficult now, but sing to whoever you can, whenever you can. Um, and just make things that you love. I think that sounds easier than it is maybe, but make things that you love and that you want to listen to and you want to play in your earphones and your car and your speakers. And you'll be surprised how many other people will feel the same because they can see how much you love it like radiating out of it yeah I love that that's such good advice thank you thank you so much for coming on as a guest you've been oh. amazing it was so lovely to have you thank you and for having me it's super fun I hope I get to come and see you at some point soon <laughs> I would love that I would love that I'll save you a seat whenever it is <laughs>